the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody, back to Southern California Live, Hour 2 of our broadcast. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You're listening on 99.5 KKLA in Los Angeles and surrounding counties. It is great to be with you again today on this fine Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, you know, it's great to be out. Great to be outside. If you get a chance to go outside, walk around, you know what? Summer's coming, and uh, before it gets terrifically hot, uh, get out there and enjoy yourself. 888-528-2557. Every morning when I get up and I take a look at our our program and what we're going to talk about today, obviously we look at kind of what the big news of the day is, and and sometimes the big news is the same thing every day. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, inflation, and uh, because that's that's obviously a big part of our, our news and I look at through the newspaper and I look through the L.A. Times and I look through the big newspapers because that's probably what's driving the conversation ultimately. And it really is. You know, if you want to know what the news is going to be on most cable news, you go read the New York Times and the Washington Post. And that's where those cable people get their stories. And then they will spin it to whatever angle they want to. Um, it's probably already spun that way on a couple of those stations. So you, you kind of figure it out. In L.A., an article in the L.A. Times today, a column by Paul Pat Morrison caught my eye, said, does L.A. have an addiction to cults and cultists? Sure seems like it. And it's a lengthy article. talks about a lot of the weird stuff that's come out of our town. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's really true. I I read through it and I thought, well, these are some examples. I'll give you some in a minute. But uh, I think a lot of towns have some pretty uh, interesting things coming out. And I started thinking about this and just being Christians, how well aware are we of what is true of what the the scriptures really say, you know, just as a Christian, you know, think about this yourself, you know, how well do you know your Bible and what the big picture is of theology of where we're going, uh, what discipleship is, what Jesus actually did. And I thought about this because, you know, we get things tied up in politics and, uh, somebody, uh, made a remark, uh, yesterday. And I just thought, you know, this is just, uh, kind of an example of how, in some ways, we don't get it. This is uh, Lauren Bobbert, and uh, this was a claim that she made at a uh, political forum yesterday. Play clip, uh, play that clip. On Twitter, a lot of the, the little Twitter trolls, they like to say, oh, Jesus didn't need an AR-15. How, how many AR-15s do you think Jesus would have had? Well, he didn't have enough to keep his government from killing him. So... What is that? Why would you say that? Uh, maybe a cheap joke or something. It's terrible what she just said. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with why Jesus died. Yes, the Roman government put him to death. It was part of their system to put him to death, and they put him to death unfairly. Pontius Pilate, the Roman consul, the governor, he knew he was an innocent guy. It was a very unjust execution of Jesus Christ. 
But when you know the story, you also know that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, that he came to die, that this was his purpose, that he knew, and he kept saying over and over again that he's coming to Jerusalem to die. In three days, that uh, the temple is going to be torn down. Three days, is going to come back. All the things. Eventually, Jesus says, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'll be back. People are like, yeah, Jesus, whatever. He's up there on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't up there cursing the Romans. He wasn't up there, uh, you know, uh, ranting about things. Could you imagine? Uh, and to, you know, to bring Jesus in, kind of do the whole gun conversation, it, it just, you know, in this way, why? And I thought to myself, you know, if you're in that audience, some people laughed. It didn't get a good laugh. I think most people in that audience, whoever they were, I don't know what audience it was, they, they knew that it was classless kind of thing. Uh, why? Um, but if you didn't, I mean, are there people out there who think somehow that Jesus was murdered and they don't like Italians today because of this? We know that historically people have blamed Jewish people for the, the death of Jesus and have used that as a reason to be anti-Semitic, uh, which also misunderstands the story and what it is about. Um, how we do it? Have you come across beliefs or do you struggle with something and you wonder if it's true or maybe you have a family member or a friend and they just really believe something that's not biblical, that's just out there? How have you come across? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. As a pastor for so many years, I've had so many examples of things that people believe that uh, are way out there that it's really hard to even pick, you know, what do I talk about? And if you're, you know, people I know are listening, then I want to be careful because maybe I've counseled these people. Uh, You know, I've had, uh, I'll give you one. People, a lot of the time, and when you read this article in the Times, one of the things that is key is when people decide that God is telling them something that is different than what God has told other people or that God has somehow chosen them. Now, in the Bible, you have very few people that God chooses specifically to give specific messages to. All right, you got Moses in the burning bush, but you didn't have a thousand Israelites in a burning bush. You had one guy. He gives them the Ten Commandments, gives them the law. You have God talking to Noah. You've got God talking to the prophets, and it's a handful. And you have angels coming to Mary and Elizabeth, and you've got some of these stories. And the thing is, is that what's communicated to them all fits within the same story. They're not, they're not giving these biblical characters a contradictory message, right? It's, and they all point people to Jesus Christ and the salvation that we get from Jesus Christ. And one of the things I would be careful about, I believe that the whole, through the Holy Spirit, God is leading the believer, right? That you are convicted of sin. You are able to, as you grow in your faith, especially discern uh, truth from falsehood, and, but especially as you, you listen to the Spirit, but also as you're in your Bible. You know, and the danger is, as soon as you think, well, I got the Holy Spirit, I don't need to read my Bible, now you got a problem, because the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to the Word of God, okay, which is what Jesus is, and, you know, Jesus is the Word. The Holy Spirit is going to drive you to Jesus, to his words, to his gospel, to why we're really here. Um, All of these things. So be really careful whenever you say, God told me something. That's when people get in the most trouble. In seminary, we had one of these classes where, and maybe you've had this happen before, where in maybe some class, you haven't all been to seminary, but it's a school and you sit around desks and sometimes you have a time where the teacher says, okay, I want everybody to get in little groups and discuss some issue. 
And sometimes that's because maybe the teacher wasn't able to prepare that day, you know, or he's tired. Maybe there's a real good issue to talk about. I don't know. That would be the, the cynical approach, right? Remember when you come to class and there's the, the uh, VCR up front or the film strip, if you're old enough, uh, that was a wonderful thing. Uh, like, oh, yes, the, uh, the projector is set up. This is going to be a great day in class. Well, that happens in seminary, too, from time to time. So we had some kind of thing we were supposed to discuss. We got through it pretty quickly. And then one of the guys in the class was very distraught. And he's telling us about how heartbroken he is because he had broken up with his girlfriend. And he really thought that they were together and, uh, you know, forever and that God had brought them together. And we're going through all of that. And, you know, I've had my heart broken before. I know that feeling. And I'm, I'm a, at the time I was a young adult minister. So this kid's uh, that right age and I'm talking to him about stuff. But I started to get into what happened. And he said that nothing really happened. God told him to break up with her. And I said, oh, uh, God told you to break up. Well, did God give you a reason? Nope. And I said, uh, did you tell her that? And he said, yeah. I said, so you told her we're going to break up because God told me to break up with you. Yeah. And I said, well, what's she supposed to think about that? Like God is telling you to break up with her. What message is that? You know, what message do you think God has for her? Now, I was telling this story. The first time I ever told this story, I was speaking to a big college ministry. Um, Because where the story went was eventually I figured out that actually this guy had a crush on another, another woman. And the real reason he broke up with his girlfriend was not because God said anything, but because he liked somebody else. But he decided instead of just telling her, you know what, I'm interested in somebody else, he's going to say, you know, God is telling me that I should break up with you. And that's the way he left. He lied to her and he took God's name in vain. That's what it means, by the way, take God's name in vain. It's to say that God is saying something that God is not saying. God does not like that at all. So be very, very careful and be careful. You know, it's not that God isn't maybe telling you something or moving you in a direction, you know, but it's got to, it's got to conform to scripture. It has to conform to reality it has to, you know, you got to be really, really careful if you believe that God is moving you. And I've been there. I believe I'm in a situation now where God's opening up all kinds of doors and doing things that I think is clearly the Lord. But I'm going to read that through the lens of Scripture. I'm going to take a look and say, hey, because otherwise this is how people start to go down paths where they start to say things and they start to see themselves as more important because God is talking to me and God is telling me things. Then pretty soon they're saying things that are not of God and they're starting their own religion. And that's where you get cults. That's where you get some things that are are pretty crazy. If you wondered why those things happen, they don't just happen overnight most of the time, right? Somebody doesn't just get up one day and go, you know what, I'm going to start a cult. And I'm going to tell people that, no, it, it takes time. It takes belief. It takes uh, an awful lot of pride, an awful lot of charisma, because some people, they can say that stuff, no one's going to listen to them, but other people, they just believe it. And the way you know is you go through the Word of God. That's why you you should know your Scripture, and that's how you also protect yourself. What does Jesus say when he's asked about signs of the end of the earth, of the end times? Do not be deceived. Many people are going to come in my name. There are guys out there, if you Google it, who think they're Jesus Christ today who actually say that they are Jesus Christ today. Did you know that? There are people in this country that are claiming to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I've had people come to my church and tell me that we need to follow this Jesus who's in Florida because he's Jesus. 
and Jesus has come back. And I said, you mean the guy who's been saying that for all these years and his hair's turning gray and falling out now? He's Jesus. You know, I'd really like him to get get with it here on, uh, you know, setting up his kingdom because it looks like he's going to die again uh, this way, and people just get really upset. Uh, if you really believe that, what do you believe about Jesus? Is your faith cult-proof? Now, there's all kinds of things that we might disagree with. In our audience today, we have, you know, a pretty wide orthodoxy of listeners, people who are from different traditions, different denominations, different backgrounds, who uh, maybe approach different things in the Bible differently. We have people who would probably argue, you know, plant their flag in issues like predestination one way or the other, or issues of the coming of Christ pre, post, mid-trib, and everybody's got their flag somewhere. You know, that's part of our audience. We have charismatics. We have people who are on the other side of that. Jesus will decide, you know, ultimately who are the believers. And it's a really good thing to keep in mind that uh, whatever it is you believe, whatever it is I believe, we're probably not 100% right about everything. And Jesus will figure that out. There's some things that the other group of people are more right about than you. But how do we make sure we don't go outside of that circle and believe something that's not Christ? How do we make sure? I think that's really, really important. And I thought, do we have a problem with this? When I read this article, does L.A. have an addiction to cults? It kind of lists some of the scandals that are going on. A big scandal of a Mexican-based international church pleaded guilty in L.A. uh, this month to uh, felonies with underage girls in his church community, and it's awful. That story is just really awful. And you wonder, how does this guy get elevated into that position? Is it because he tells people that he's... He tells people that he's somehow anointed by God and he, and he gets there. That's the thing. It's, it's usually not other people in these cases who have said that. It's, they say that later, but he started it. Uh, there's a guy who writes books. I'm not even going to tell you who he is because I don't think you should read his books. But he claims that he was called up in heaven and uh, he sat next to Paul. And he claims that Paul is depressed, that Paul is depressed because he didn't finish all the things that he wanted to do. Uh, before his life ended, which I thought is kind of strange coming from a guy who thinks that he fought the good fight and ran the race well and all those things that Paul actually said. But the reason this guy is saying this about his own books is because he wants you to think that his books are Bible, that if you think Paul's books are Bible in the New Testament, and I went up and I talked to Paul and Paul sent me back with these other messages, uh, that's what he's claiming is in his book, uh, then it must be him. Are we so gullible as to believe that? And I'm saying that because I think that a lot of the struggles we have as Christians, and you can call me and you can uh, share your thoughts about this, 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. Are we in a situation where we don't know how to lead people back to Christ, where we are too easily able to believe other things? A great quote by... uh, it's usually given credit to G.K. Chesterton. And he says, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. And there's some wild stuff out there. So this article, it's pretty snarky kind of, you know, all the way through it. But some of these things are are pretty crazy that people would actually believe, okay? And um, one person, there's just a whole bunch of them, and I won't go through all of them. But one person had people so convinced that, and this is right here in Los Angeles, a cult called the Great I Am, an old cult from back in the 1940s, and uh, lots, millions of people followed him. And he was convinced people that a guy named Guy Ballard, he was hiking on uh, Mount Shasta 
and uh, he met St. Germain, a fellow in a jeweled robe who uh, was an ascended master of the Great White Brotherhood and uh, gave Ballard a cup of pure electronic essence and carried him airborne to see the treasures of the cities of the world. Now, when that guy comes in my office and tells me that story, my instinct is to uh, see if I can go find the white jackets and take them out of there, right? He's, there's something going on with that guy. But no, this guy accumulated millions of followers to this story who answered his alarming mass mailings about the end of the world. I think that's another one. It's God told me and the end of the world is coming. Why do we believe that when Jesus himself says he doesn't know? We know it's coming eventually. I mean, I turn on the TV. It looks like it's coming pretty soon, but people have been saying that for 2,000 years. Ballard accumulated more than a million followers who answered his alarming mass mailings about the end of the world and about what comfort could be found in joining the IM cult and consigning their bank accounts, that always comes back to money somewhere, to the leader's care, love gifts, and the sale of such IM branded products, lots of products. This is, this is a long time ago. This is the 40s, okay? Including New Age cold cream. I guess if you, there's a certain spiritual cold cream to take your makeup off or something. His radio broadcast preached a prosperity uh, gospel, and he channeled the thoughts of St. Germain and Jesus, and those books are still sold on Amazon to this day, which means people are buying those things. Why? I, I think people are looking for something, right? They're looking for truth. At some point, they've rejected Christ. They've rejected maybe the notion of God, but they'll believe in anything else. So he dies in 1939, right before the war. Uh, he dies. His widow and son are tried for mail fraud over their $3 million take. The defense proclaimed that the nation's safety depended on Ballard's divine power and that before he died, they said this in court, actual court, before he died, he had invoked an invisible force to sink a flotilla of Japanese submarines so no one had, that no one had ever seen. That's convenient, right, to say, you know what, I mentally destroyed a bunch of submarines that were going to attack us. Uh, no one's ever seen them, and they're on the bottom of the ocean now. Don't bother looking for them. Or you won't find them. And people bought that, apparently. Um, and here's what's also interesting. This jury cannot reach a verdict. You can't? Really? You can't, didn't reach a verdict, but a later trial convicted the widow Ballard and her son. The Supreme Court tossed it out. The jury ruled that it shouldn't have been allowed to decide whether defendants actually believed what they were saying. Uh, the judge in the first trial agreed also to wear a light-colored business suit rather than a black robe because the defendants honestly believe that light and bright colors have a favorable effect on the soul's welfare. If the situation warranted, I could function as well in a bathing suit. Um, why do we believe stuff like that? Why do you think? Why do you think that we go down the road uh, where millions of people, what are we looking for that we're not getting? What is it that the church is having trouble communicating that causes people, even to this day, to get involved in some of these things? Is it just charismatic people? Is it just some certain people have the charisma to lead people astray and they're just gifted at it? Um, how do we prevent that? I, that's something I hope we do in our program. I hope that we are able to help everybody listening to focus on Christ and the Bible, to realize that, yeah, there's all kinds of supernatural things that the Lord is doing, and those things are not contradictory to who Jesus is, to what the plan of God is, to the plan for discipleship, the purpose of the church, the reason that we're here. And I think we need to build stronger Christians, and we can do that together. We can do that in our churches. There are people who are just struggling uh, emotionally and looking for some kind of way out. My friends, the, the, the person to go to is Jesus. You know, go to the Sermon on the Mount. 
and look at all the things that he says, blessed are these people. Blessed means happy. You know, if you're looking for happiness, there's a prescription for it right there in Matthew chapter 5, coming from Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is the Savior, if you believe he died for your sins and he rose again from the grave, if you believe he is the Messiah, if you believe he is the Son of God, then what you need to do is not just believe in him. You got to believe him. You know what I'm saying? It's different. You have to believe, not just believe in Jesus, you have to believe Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy is the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Some people think poor in spirit means people who don't know a lot, people who don't have a lot of knowledge. You can be happy and yours is the kingdom of heaven. You're saved. You're not saved because you know a whole lot of stuff. You're saved already. That's what should lead you to it. Blessed are those who mourn. That seems contradictory. Why would I be blessed? For they will be comforted. Do you believe Jesus about these things? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the teaching of Jesus. Blessed, happy are those are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you believe Jesus with that? Or are you afraid to? Or do you feel like all of those things sort of make you not very strong? Jesus thinks they make you super strong, and he plans to use you. That's why he says that you are the salt of the earth. He then says you are the light of the world, and by you, he means you. You listener there. Put your faith in Jesus. Don't get your faith wrapped up in all kinds of other stuff that doesn't matter. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can join our conversation. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back with the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. 888-528-2557 is the number. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557 is the number. And I hope that you can join our conversation and uh, with the things that you might have on your mind as we talk about it. Lots of things going on in the world. You know, the situation in Russia and Ukraine, you know, we kind of keep an eyeball on it, but we don't talk about it too much. Are you as curious about that as uh, you once were? We are... Um, we're going to talk about that uh, pretty soon as we think about it in a uh, another show a little bit more. But uh, there's an awful lot that is going on there, and it's not going well anymore for the Ukrainians. Uh, the Russians are, you know, still not fighting well necessarily, so I understand. But uh, they are taking over land there, and it's getting pretty rough. And something else, I think, you know, I I wonder how many of us still think this is potentially. Um, war for us, you know, I think it's actually still very, very possible that we'll end up in some kind of a much bigger shooting war here, or we're going to see something happen in in China with the Taiwan situation, and something will happen there. The president says that we're going to uh, defend Taiwan. They kind of walk that back a little bit, but that is what he said. Um, there is a lot going on. Another issue that is becoming, I think, more and more uh, it's a bad thing anyway. If you're familiar with the basketball player, Brittany Griner, who has been uh, 
she has been arrested in Russia. This happened right before the Ukrainian invasion. She's a uh, women's professional basketball player, and uh, she's been detained, and her she is going to be in custody at least now until July 2nd, and it matters because she's just in pretrial detention. Uh, she was detained at a Moscow-area airport in February after authorities claimed that they found uh, vape cartridges with cannabis oil in her luggage, and there's a lot of... Um, dispute about whether or not she really had that stuff or they um, put it on her. So she's charged with drug smuggling and her detention is continuously being detected. But a lot of people think there's a lot of politics. The United States States to United States State Department considers her to be wrongfully detained. That's the, the technical legal notion that they have wrongfully detained. Um, so they're not calling her a hostage. Okay, there's, you know, it matters in diplomacy what kinds of words you use, right? Words mean things. And all Americans are warned not to travel to Russia. Um, does that seem like something you were going for your summer vacation? Are you saying, you know, honey, I think this summer we finally have the COVID over and we don't have to wear a mask on an airplane. Why don't we hop on an Aeroflot and uh, just head over to Moscow for the summer? I, I don't think that's on your list probably uh, this year, hopefully not. But in case it is, you should know that the State Department is saying that's a bad idea because Americans might be targeted for arrest uh, and potentially here's the here's the reason that the State Department thinks this is happening, potentially for the purpose of exchanging Russians held in American prisons. There's an awful lot going on that that we don't talk about. Maybe we don't know about. I think about this every time there's some kind of prisoner exchange that we hear about. You know how they do that? You see that? I mean, I don't know if you know personally how they do it. I don't know personally how they do it either, but I've seen it in the movies and I see that from the papers that they actually do it. It's probably, uh, you know, different in the movies. But they're always meeting in some bridge, right? And the prisoners have bags over their head, and it's at night, and there's headlights, and there's smoke in the air. And they, the prisoners think they're about to get shot, but really they're just being exchanged. I guess that happens. And maybe that's not so wrong as far as the depiction. Maybe that's what it really looks like. But I've wondered myself, every time that happens, who are these Russians that we're detaining? You know, who are these people? Do we have Russian basketball players here and we're trying to get them to join our Olympic team? I would think maybe some hockey players. Uh, not now that we have the NHL in uh, in the Olympic hockey. Anyway, I think that we should be keeping our eye on this and uh, praying for her and that situation. We should never have an American detained in this way uh, anywhere. And for a single day or longer, the State Department is saying uh, she should have never been detained, most likely because the case itself is problematic. Uh, and Price said that the U.S. Embassy in Russia, Price is the uh, uh, State Department official, Ned Price, um, he said that the State Department became aware of this through uh, Russian television and not actually Russian authorities. That also is bad. You never want to be, you know, learn that kind of information on the news. So that means we're not really talking to each other, at least about these kinds of things. Um, and it matters because it isn't just about her. It's about any American anywhere in the world. And it is about her if you're her friend or your family or people who know her and, uh, those things matter. And, uh, being in a Russian prison is very challenging. A former Marine named Trevor Reed, who was held in Russian prison. This is from Axios.com since 2019, finally got released in April, just this April. So he was in there for two years. Uh, he's asking the Biden administration and Congress, to increase efforts to release Griner, even if it means more prisoner swaps. So I guess we do have the prisoners 
uh, to swap. But be aware of that. These kinds of situations, you know, if she were to die um, with some kind of mysterious circumstance, that's another thing that leads us to war. When, you know, what concerns me about it, obviously, for just any individual in that situation, we should be concerned. But as Americans, but also this is, you know, taking prisoners, we're not calling it that, we're being very careful, taking hostages, it's an act of war. And so we're we're walking this line with the Ukraine scenario. We are not officially fighting a war, but we are arming the Ukrainians, and we're sending them billions of dollars so they can arm themselves and kill Russians, right? They're killing Russian soldiers. And we've put little rules on it, which is like, okay, we're going to give you these weapons. Don't shoot them across the border into Russia, but you can shoot them as long as you keep them inside your border. Uh, that is such an interesting problem we have. And now we have this this prisoner situation that's going on for a while. Any of these things can escalate the situation. 888-528-2557 is the number for Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Thomas from La Puente. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Thomas. Hello. Thomas, go ahead. Yes. Yes, uh, I was uh, I was thinking about those people that are going off and uh, finding other religious ways to be happy or to find paradise, whatever they're looking for. What's happening is that I don't think the churches are putting Jesus in front of their of their lives and their hearts to uh, to just think about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything mm. is about Jesus. And people want to look for that ultimate, so they hear these people that are talking this nonsense. And and if they're not connected to Jesus or or born again, then their hearts are going to stray, and they're going to go into, you know, these occult and stuff because other people are doing it, and it's a happy environment. So people are, are looking for that happiness in their religion or their whatever their uh, their motive is to find a God. Uh-huh. But I think it's part of a way to that they're also scared to die. They're scared to die, so this mm. way they could try to find a way out from dying, you know, and, and they don't know where they're going. Yeah, so um, Thomas is responding to what we talked about in the last segment. Uh, we were talking about cults and why people would join cults. There was an article in the L.A. Times talking about uh, basically Los Angeles uh, seems to be a place where it's a breeding ground for some wild cults and some ideas. And I, I don't know that it's any different than uh, lots of other cities across the country. But you're saying, Thomas, and I think you do make a point, that maybe the reason people do that is they're afraid of dying. I And I think that's probably right. Let me ask you this, though. Why don't we as believers have the best solution to the fear of death in Jesus Christ? Well, yes, because if you tell people... Hey, who do you pray, uh, or who's your God? Oh, so this, this, and I go, well, did he die and come back alive? Because my God did. And no. that's basically what I tell, tell them straight blank, you know. My God, he died and came back alive, you know. I want to be in that kind of world where, you know, I know that I'm going to die. Everybody knows they're going to die. So put the... Put the Put that burden on Jesus and believe that he will raise you from the dead 
and it's his timing, it's his ways, and there's no other way to go because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and we got to think about Jesus every day. I have to talk to mm-hmm. Jesus every day. Yeah. I can't get up and say, oh, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. or No, hey, Jesus, come on. I, you know, I'm waking up. Wow, good morning, good morning, Father God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Time for a coffee, or oh, I'm going to jump in the shower. The right. plan is today, Lord, is, uh, you know, I got to go to, to the, I got an appointment and stuff. Help me yeah. to get there comfort, uh, comfortably. Help me to get there safe. Be with me as I drive. Come on, sit yeah. shotgun. All right, Thomas, People I appreciate. You... Yeah, Thomas, I got to get to a break here in just a minute, but I appreciate your call and thinking about that. I think, you know, there are lots of reasons why people end up with uh, beliefs in the cult and other stuff. And part of it is as soon as you reject Christ or you believe in a false Christ, your fear of death comes back. And maybe that's a really good point is that, you know, when you believe in Jesus, you believe Jesus you know, you may not like death because of what it might do to your family or other circumstances you would leave behind. But if you really trust Jesus, it's going to relieve your fear personally of death uh, because you get to be risen. You get you believe that you live forever. But as soon as you don't believe that, you might believe you live forever in some other context. But what you don't have is a risen Savior. You don't have anybody who's gone before you who's already done it, who you can say, ah, see, he came up out of the grave. Only Jesus did that. That's why every religious founder, every cult leader, all of them, we know where they're buried. We know what the story is of their death. There's a marker, or if they were buried at sea, we know when and where and who did it. And that is out there with everybody except Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, we argue about where his tomb is. And there are multiple different places and people who are selling tickets to Jesus's empty tomb. And the reason we don't know is because nobody put a marker down at Jesus's tomb back in the day, like they do with every single other religious leader ever. Uh, nobody put a marker down. The reason they didn't put a marker down is that he was not in the grave. And you don't put a marker down for a dead guy who's not in there, right? When there's no body, nobody marks the grave. And that's our hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number. I'll be back in just a moment as your Wednesday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you, your host. Good to be with you, as it always is. Monday through Friday from 3 to 5 right here on 99.5 KKLA. And a great part about being with you is we get to be family, right? We're church family. Uh, Most of us, a lot of you are curious about Christianity and you're listening or you just don't want the same old stuff that you get uh, so much because there's so much hope that we have in Christ. You know, we were talking before the break just about the fear of death, which leads into so much, right? It creates a situation for um, sometimes why we don't solve problems the way we should, because we're afraid. We don't ask the questions we should because we're afraid, or we just do different things because we're afraid. When you have a risen Savior, you don't have to be afraid. But death is part of the situation that we are in now. Or, you know, I don't know if you like the statistic. Some people get bugged when I mention this, but one out of one people die. Um, a lot of statistics you can question, that one you can't. One out of every one. That's why you have Christ. That's why we need a Savior. And 
the hard part, I think, is that when we, we say that, sometimes we're not acknowledging that some people die not of old age or die after a long life, but they die, you know, because of disease or tragedy or other things. And I'm thinking about that just I'm wanting you to, whenever you see things on the news of people who are uh, who lose their life for various things, I don't know if you think about it, but we watch the news and we sensationalize that. It kind of drives the story for some reason, the the bad things that happen. Sometimes it informs. We need to know, you know, if there's violence going on and we need to do something about it. One of the stories here in L.A. that's uh, sad is uh, uh, two El Monte police officers were killed yesterday after confronting a suspect at a motel in El Monte. And, you know, it's just a sad story when you read it. And these stories are are just frustrating. The gunman who killed two Amani officers, according to LA Times, responded to a call at a motel. The gunman was on probation for a gun charge already at the time of the shooting. And uh, that's what happens. The gunman was killed ultimately by other police in that shooting, but two officers died. I spent some time with police officers, one of my best friends as a police chaplain, and uh, you know some uh, some people on this station who are police chaplains, and uh, just remind you to pray. There's so much, uh, so many things going on, and when you hear about people losing their life, people who are in terrible situations, don't just sort of move it to the side, you know, but say a prayer uh, for their families. Put yourself in their shoes a little bit. I think that's part of walking in crisis that we mourn with those who mourn, whatever the situation is. I mean, the, the family of the person who killed those police officers, he's died and his family is is uh, suffering also. And there are so many hard questions there. And it gets, you know, it's troubling that there's already gun charges against that person. And it gets us right into those arguments that we've been having nationally about guns and who can have them and those kinds of things. And he probably got it. I don't know. This article, I don't think says where he got it except that uh, it was illegal for him to have any weapon, including guns, ammunition, and knives, according to his parole. Um, anyway, I thought, let's just say a prayer, and then uh, we'll move on here. God, we just think of these officers, their families, the families of the gunmen, too, who are hurting. God, bring people who are part of your church family into their lives. Be with the chaplains who are working with these officers. I pray that everybody involved would seek you out and that we would recognize that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that this troubled world we live in, all this trouble, will one day be resolved by Jesus, will one day be complete, it will be over, and there will be no more sadness, no more tears, no more death, no more disease, no more COVID. We will just be with you. God, I pray that everybody listening would know that and put their faith in you and not be afraid, but to trust you, to love others, and join the family of God, be part of that family. In Jesus' name, amen. Just thought it would be worthwhile to take a time and do that. I don't know these officers or some of those details, but, you know, that is a big story here in L.A. And it's a reminder about how important it is for us to be together, for us to be with each other. You never know. You never know when that day is going to come for you. And if you're you know, a police officer, well, you're risking your life every single day. But any of us in the cars, you know, we're risking our life in a different way, um, you know, a non-heroic way, but in in every way. And I think this is part of what we started out uh, talking about in the last hour. We were talking about the morality of Americans in a Gallup poll that says that Americans uh, overwhelmingly believe that our moral situation is getting worse and that it's really terrible. 
The answer, my friends, is Jesus. That's the answer. And we're his church. It isn't just that people should come to our church. We have to get out there and love people and build people up and confront the evils of our day and not be afraid ourselves. We should be a people who are are not afraid. I want to encourage you to get out there. Maybe some of you listening, you haven't been out much because of uh, COVID and you're still kind of at home. Get out there. I had an opportunity this morning to be at uh, San Diego County Fair and do a little event there. And one of the great feelings about it is it's the first time that's been there for a couple of years. So the fairs are back. We'll see them here in, in L.A. and around the country, really, and different events. Maybe you've been to a ballpark. Maybe you've been to some events. But I had the sense, and in talking to a lot of people who were there, that they haven't really been out in the crowd for two years. And not out somewhere where there just seems like a a festive environment. And if you ever go to the fair, I mean, the fair is amazing. I mean, what kind of a place can you find, you know, deep fried Oreos and uh, pretty much deep fried everything? They just have it there and uh, maybe you shouldn't eat all of it. But I thought to myself, you know, maybe heaven looks like this. There'll be gold pavement in the streets and uh, the food that you eat will not harm you. But it's going to be an opportunity to have fellowship and be with each other. We know there's going to be food. There's a wedding supper of the lamb. We know that there will be food and it's going to be good. Have you thought about that? I love that. We're we're going to enjoy food for eternity. That is something that we get to do. We're going to enjoy food. We're going to enjoy food with each other. You know, we're going to, some of you, uh, when we have uh, KKLA events, we get to meet, we get to say hi, and that's really great. And most of you, you know, we'll never meet in person, but we, we talk every day here on this program. And one of the great things about that is that we get eternity actually to hang out. So the truth is, is in eternity, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. If you know Jesus, we get to be with each other. We are going to get to know each other. I think we're going to get to know each other and we're going to be able to worship together. We're going to be able to eat together. We're going to have some fun together. Whatever our work is, we're going to do that together and enjoy it. And there won't be any complaining. There won't be any whining. There will not be any uh, church battles. There will not be, you know, the kinds of things that might be the reason that you've decided not to go to church. That doesn't happen in heaven. Jesus died because of those things. The things that maybe have kept you from church, the bad experiences or the bad attitudes, uh, which happens sometimes, put all of those on the cross and just go to church somewhere. That's another thing is get out there and have some fun with people. And if you're not part of a church, now's a good time. The studies are saying that a lot of people who used to go to church regularly still two years later are not going to church. And I get it. I get the temptation of sitting at home and the temptation of sleeping in and have having some waffles and pancakes and watching church on the TV, on the YouTube, and then uh, just getting back to whatever you wanted to do. I get it. Totally understand that. But you need people. You need to be with people. I think it's one of the things that we hopefully have learned in all of this coronavirus stuff. All, you know, the studies are going to come out for years about the impact of the shutdowns for the pandemic. And, you know, there will be some statistics about the disease itself and, and somebody will sort out, you know, how many people really died of it versus how many people died with it. There'll be some kind of conclusion later about the effectiveness of vaccines and boosters and all of that. That'll be done eventually. But one of the things that we're also seeing that I think ultimately might be more important is the studies of how badly we need to be with each other and how hurtful it has been that we weren't. And so if I can encourage you to get out 
get out and be with people. Smile at people as they walk by. They might think you're a little crazy, but most people don't. Most people actually smile back. You'd be surprised. And that's something I saw today as I was out with a crowd of people. And there was this this great feeling of of camaraderie. It was like when you finally get to see a friend that you haven't seen for a long time. A bunch of strangers had that together. And it was amazing. And of course, there's somebody walking around with joy on their face because they're holding a hamburger with Krispy Kreme donuts as buns. You know, that that's just joy. That's joy in itself. I might go get one, myself one of those. I, might, I was going to have one of those before the show today, but then I thought I would have to sleep through the show. So I did not do that, but I, I might indulge in that later uh, just because it is great to be with people and having fun. And I think these are biblical values. When you study your scripture, you know, God created us to love him, to love each other, to be with each other. And a big part of that is fun to go out there and try to enjoy your life. And if you're in a situation where life's just not very fun right now because of circumstances you're going through, I understand that. And uh, I've been there and I know that you might be there, but a lesson I'll leave you with. And I'll say this often because I think it matters. It's something that I know some people who remind themselves of this every single day. And maybe this will help you. If you're going through a hard time, especially this is helpful. You ready? It's this. Do not let what you cannot control or that you cannot change ruin the joy that you can have today. Do not let what you can't control or can't change ruin the joy that you can have today. Go out today and make an effort to do something that is enjoyable. Even if you're going through a terrible time, you know, take a moment, have something to eat that is enjoyable. Call a friend, do something that's fun, that's enjoyable. Go for a walk if you have to. Do something that's enjoyable. Do that every day, even when you're walking through the worst times of life. And then for most of the time, you know, you're kind of made it through those difficult times in life and life just can be a grind. Still have joy. Do the same thing. Take a moment every single day to do something that you enjoy. I think this is, and do it with the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm gonna do something that I enjoy, Believe that the Lord is with you and go do it. Don't let what you can't control or can't change ruin the joy that you can have today. Too many of us are too fretting about stuff that we just can't control or that we can't change. When you give it all to God and you realize that I might have some burdens and I have some work to do and I've got some hard things that I got to do or I just got to go through some hard times, that's part of life for sure. But at the end of the day, you get to go be with Jesus if you believe that he died for you and rose again from the dead that he paid for your sins and he died because of those terrible things that you're going through. There's so much hope in that and joy in that. And then you can find something simple every day to have joy. So go out there, choose joy. Find something that is enjoyable today. Do it with friends if you can or family, people around you and be with people. Get yourself into church where you can be committed and worship God and go and encourage people every single day. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We're on every day from three to five. I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless. Have a good one. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.